Well, in 2022, uh, the U.S. recorded its one millionth organ transplant. And if you think about it, it's quite amazing, right? It's quite amazing to think how far medical technology has come. The very first successful organ transplant was in 1954, uh, when doctors transplanted a kidney from a 23-year-old to his twin brother. Now, these days, organs such as hearts, livers, pancreases, they're transplanted to people in need, right? Uh, And it's becoming more and more common. Uh, Two years ago, in 2021, uh, more than 41,000 transplants occurred, which is a crazy number if you think about it. Today, a Good Friday in one sense, it's about a transplant that occurred 2,000 years ago, right? a transplant of our sins and the ugliness of our hearts to, to Jesus, who is perfect and clean and spotless. For us as recipients of a new heart, right, a one that is cleansed, forgiven, and set free, brand new, there is joy. There is joy. But the cost of that new heart was someone's life. Because in order for us to receive something, right, an organ, someone had to die. And so the goal of today, it isn't necessarily for us to sit in the comfort and the celebration of Easter Sunday. Yes, Easter Sunday is coming. And yes, we will celebrate on Sunday. We'll sing together. We'll remind each other of 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 the resurrection of Jesus. But today, Good Friday... It's meant to confront us, not comfort us. It's meant to confront us so that we would feel the weight and cost of our sin. Because if we don't sit and reflect on that, then Good Friday, it's it's just another Friday. And for many of us today, it's not a Good Friday, it's not a bad Friday, it's just a, a Friday. For others of us, we're tired. We've carried the guilt and shame of, of sin for as long as we can remember. And we've tried everything to run away from it. Today, Good Friday, it's really an invitation. An invitation to lay down our weary burdens and come to Jesus. So my prayer is that, that we would create enough space in our hearts today to sit in the weight and cost of our sin. May our eyes be open. And our hearts soften to the deep tension of sin so that our worship on Sunday, it will be even more felt in the deep places of our soul. Our passage today comes from Matthew 27, uh, 45 to 56. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, the words will be on the screen. Read from verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. 
The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Amen. Well, if you've been here with us for the whole service, uh, then you would have heard our sisters read out uh, the account of Good Friday, starting from Jesus' trial, sentence, the crucifixion, and Jesus' death. And what I want to do today is just walk us through those key moments and remind us that, that the reason Jesus went through these moments was to invite us in, invite us into a deep rest from sin. And you know what the amazing thing about an invitation is? It's personal, right? Every invitation is personal. And so as we go through these moments before Jesus' death, I'll be reminded that you don't need to hide in your sin. You don't need to carry the guilt, the weight, and the shame of your past. In Matthew 27, we read about the trial of Jesus. And let me set up this picture of what's going on, right? The night before, Jesus' best friends, the disciples, uh, the ones that he was doing life with for a couple of years, uh, they abandoned him. They completely deserted him. One of his closest disciples committed suicide. The police arrested him. And the religious church leaders, they mocked him, they spit on him, and they hit him. And this was all hours before he would experience one of the most horrific uh, forms of capital punishment. So he's brought before Pilate, and Pilate asked Jesus in verse 11, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies, Yes, it is as you say. Verse 13, Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. When Jesus' accusers pressed and pressed and pressed him, Jesus stood there in silence. He didn't say a single thing to defend himself. Now think about the irony in that situation. Pilate, a me mortal. He thinks he has the power in his hands to control the destiny or the outcome of Jesus. But in reality, right, it's not Jesus who is on trial, but it's actually Pilate who is on trial because Jesus is the one true judge. Remember what Jesus said in, in John 5.22, right? He says this, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Jesus has come into this world to save those who put their trust in him, but he's also come to bring judgment as well. Jesus will act as a judge over believers and unbelievers. And so they take Jesus and they bind his hands and his feet. And they present him before the crowd. And they ask the people, which one of these two do you want me to release to you? And they shout, Barabbas. And Pilate asks, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all answered, crucify him. 
This was the choice that Pilate gave before the people. A high-profile killer who was undoubtedly guilty or a teacher, a miracle worker who was innocent. And when we take a step back and look at this story, this is our story. This is us. You know, you may not have killed someone, or you may have, but we're all guilty of sin before God. And we all deserve death by the standards of God. But due to nothing that we've done, right, Jesus has chosen to die in our place. Like Barabbas, a guilty murderer who deserves the death penalty. We're allowed to go free with no condemnation. How crazy is that? And so even though Jesus is innocent, Pilate releases Barabbas to the crowd and has Jesus flogged. You know, flogging was a form of punishment where, where they would whip through a man's skin until, uh, until, the, until the muscles shredded to the bone. It was the ultimate form of deadly torture. And if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, it shows a depiction of what it was like, just a glimpse of what it was like. And after Jesus was flogged, he was forced to carry a wooden cross to a place called Golgotha, where the crucifixions were held. The cross was considered to be an appropriate death for slaves and rebels because it wasn't just designed to kill but it was designed to to shame and once jesus reached golgotha there he laid down on the cross on the ground they bent his arms and drove nails through the base of his hands they bent his legs and nailed his feet to the wood the soldiers raised the cross and dropped it in the hole in the ground so that it would stand up straight The crucifixion was meant to be a slow, agonizing death by suffocation. And so Jesus, hanging by nails, rubbing his raw back against the cross, he fights to get another breath in. Just imagine the shame and the pain on the cross. The religious leaders who were behind Jesus' crucifixion, they taunted him asking, where is your God now? And even the criminals on either side of Jesus joined in the verbal attacks. Jesus, who had never sinned, was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our salvation isn't cheap. Our sins cause Jesus to suffer. And what he went through was for you and for me. It was our sins that put him on the cross. So please don't take the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. Don't take your sins lightly because someone had to die to make you right. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus cried out, it is finished. Then Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus voluntarily gave up his life as a sacrifice for human sin. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was born to save his people from their sins, that he came to seek and save the lost, people like you and people like me. He was the suffering Savior, the sacrificial Lamb, the only way to God the Father, 
to salvation, to eternal life. Jesus became human to make us right. He was born in Bethlehem and he suffered and died to save sinners. 1 Peter 2.25 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like a sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Can you imagine all of heaven watching in awe as the Son of God died? He completed what he came to do. Imagine the feeling, the emotion of hearing Jesus crying out, It is finished. And at that moment, the entire world changed forever. And it says that the temple curtain was torn into from top to bottom. Now, why is that so significant? Because the temple was a place where only the high priest could go in and enter the presence of God. And the torn curtain or veil, right, it symbolizes that Jesus' sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was sufficient for all our sins. It's showing us that now the way into the holy of holies, now into the way of the presence of God, was open for all people, for all time. Jesus took our sins in his body on the cross. He became the sacrifice for our sins. And remember that the law, it requires everything to be cleansed with blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that's why the Old Testament animal sacrifices were never enough. Because sacrifices had to be made again and again and again. But Jesus' sacrifice, his blood, is enough. And this is why we take communion. To remember that Jesus' blood was poured out for us. To remember when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he fulfilled all of the old covenant requirements. And now his blood is sufficient to cover our sins. And that's why we sing about the precious blood of Jesus. So whatever your background, whatever your past, whatever your mistake, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, his blood covers us. We're saved by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. Think about this. The blood of Jesus, it doesn't just pull on the ground at the foot of the cross. But Jesus' blood, it flows out towards us. We who are guilty and we who are shameful, it covers us. The blood of Jesus flows out to the woman who has shamed herself in a desperate craving to be loved or to the woman who is covered in shame for going through an abortion. Jesus' blood washes her shame clean. The shame flows back to the cross where Jesus takes on that shame as his own and it is no longer her burden to bear. Jesus' blood flows out to the man held in bondage to lust. The blood of Jesus flows out to that man and cleanses him entirely. The blood of Jesus takes that painful wrong back to the cross where Jesus suffers for it as his own and he frees that man forever.
Friends, when we look at Jesus hanging on the cross, it's an invitation for us to come and lay down our heavy burdens at his feet. Today, it's not about doing things to be right with God. It's about responding to the invitation set before us. Friends, you don't need to carry that sin anymore, the shame, the guilt, the burden. You've carried it for too long. It's not your burden to bear. The blood of Jesus is flowing out to sinners of all kinds. And it takes our guilt, our shame, our loss, our tears, our despair. And the blood of Jesus gives us new life. Like an organ transplant, Jesus transfers his righteousness to us. The invitation today on this Good Friday is this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the invitation today. To everyone who is struggling under the immense pressure of sin, Jesus says, come to me. Come to the foot of the cross and I will give you rest. That is our invitation today. Let's close our eyes in prayer.